This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, October 13th, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include a story on what happens if Apple's crash detection alerts are activated when you haven't been in a crash. Thermal tracking of key presses might be able to detect the password you just typed in in the lab, but how about in real life? And there was recently some minor confusion in the skies as Lufthansa Airlines tried to get its AirTag story straight. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. Have you updated all your devices that can be updated with yesterday's update? Oh, that's right. We're recording on Wednesday, and there was an update on Tuesday. Yes. iOS 16.0.3 came out this week. It fixed one known vulnerability. Meanwhile, we still have no security details for watchOS 9, tvOS 16. These came out an entire month ago, and Apple still says that details are coming soon. And also that iOS 16 is going to have additional details about some of the security vulnerabilities that were patched soon. Some indeterminate date in the future. But there was an announcement of one vulnerability that was fixed in 1603 available for iPhone and later processing a maliciously crafted email message may lead to a denial of service. Can you explain what a denial of service attack is? Because is it like when the bartender won't give you another drink at four in the morning because you've had too many? <laughs> He's denying you service? It's something like that. <laughs> denial of service usually means that you cannot use the device. You cannot use a particular feature or functionality. In some cases, it might mean that the device would shut off or reboot. You can't use your device as you would expect to be able to use it. It's not the worst vulnerability in the world. This is not one that I would say you necessarily have to urgently patch, like many other vulnerabilities that get released in, in a, in a one-off patch like this. Right. But it is an annoyance. And if you happen to get emails from someone that triggers this denial of service and you can't use your iPhone and you're trying to, I don't know, get directions someplace or make an urgent phone call, then it is a bit of a problem. The reason why I think that Apple is waiting to release any security details regarding watchOS 9 and tvOS 16 and why they're waiting to release more details on iOS 16 is I think that probably iPad OS 16 and Mac OS Ventura are going to patch a lot of the same vulnerabilities that are probably not going to get patched necessarily for previous versions of the operating system. So I think they want to make sure they have parity between all of the current operating systems so that everything is patched before they really say what they've patched. I think that's probably what's going on here. It's worth pointing out that we are not going to see an iPadOS 16.0, but a 16.1, which will correspond with the release of iOS 16.1, presumably Ventura at the same time. Apple's designated leaky Mark Gurman says this will happen on the week of October 24th. It's entirely possible. He says Apple has historically held launches the week of its earning calls in October. Well, that's not true. If you go back a couple of years, they had some in September. In 2020, it was released in November. So it's not really, um, there's no regularity. I'll put a link in the show notes to my friend Rob Griffith's website where he has a list of every single release of every macOS and macOS 10 release and update and dot zero and dot zero zero one update and everything. And it's like this huge list. You can check all the dates. We're looking forward to that. We don't know 
There had been some speculation that there might be an event to pr present new iPads, which seems unlikely now, which suggests that the iPads won't be interesting. But they still promised all of their Macs would be moving to the M processors by the end of this year, and the Mac Pro still hasn't been released. So would that come out via a press release, maybe with a video online, uh, you know, like a 20-minute video, which is similar to what they're doing for their events? Would they have an event in November just for the Mac Pro? It doesn't seem like a product that merits an event like that. They'll, the Mac Pro usually gets presented at the Worldwide Developer Conference in June. Will Apple renege on their promise to release all of their Macs in M processor versions by the end of the year? We'll find out soon. Yeah, it's not like it would be the first time that Apple has ever not followed through on a promise before. Now, be nice. <laughs> okay. We've talked about the new crash detection feature in the iPhone 14 and the Apple Watch, and oops, Article in the Wall Street Journal by Joanna Stern, the owner of this iPhone was in a severe car crash or just on a roller coaster. Now, Apple explained how this works. It's got a number of sensors. A lot of it has to do with G-forces. And I don't know how many G-forces you get on some of these roller coasters because I don't go on roller coasters. Not for me. But some of these must be like taking off in a NASA rocket or something. Apparently, in Warren County, Ohio, near Cincinnati, the emergency services have been getting a lot of calls from different people saying the owner of this iPhone was in a severe car crash and is not responding to their phone. And it turns out that people were on roller coasters. Now, it's not only a problem for emergency services, but when you have set an emergency contact in your phone, they will get the warning too. And so there are some people talking about this, that when they heard this, they were so worried about their loved one or friend. I think there's a real problem with this feature, which Apple has good intentions, but if it's not going to work right, should they even be using this? Well, I think for the most part, this is not going to affect a lot of people. If you ride a lot of roller coasters, maybe it will. Maybe you should know to turn this off before you go to an amusement park where you're going to be riding a lot of roller coasters. So what about the case of Douglas Saunders, who was cruising on his motorcycle on the West Side Highway in New York City when his new iPhone 14 Pro Max went flying off the handlebars? Same thing. It set off an alert. And his, his mother, his girlfriend, everyone got these warnings. He's been in a car crash. He was just riding to an Apple store to get a new phone because he thought it was lost. So there are a lot of cases where this can happen. I, I bet there are going to be people on YouTube who are dropping iPhones off of buildings to see if it sets off the alert. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be terribly surprising. There's all kinds of uh, drop tests that people like to do. So, um, yeah, I, I'm actually kind of surprised. If, if it hasn't already happened, I'm quite sure that it will in the very near future that people will be testing, drop testing to see whether it sets off the crash alert. And pr probably it would, I would think. It wouldn't be that hard for an amusement park to put up a sign that if you have this feature on in your iPhone, turn it off, right? The worry is that people forget to turn it back on and right. they're driving home from the amusement park after eating too much cotton candy and they take that swerve on that road under the moonlight and they just go off the edge. Right. That is the risk. If if it's not something that happens on an automated basis, that somehow it can determine that you're actually on a roller coaster, it temporarily turns itself off and turns itself on when you're done. If it's something that doesn't happen like that and you have to manually turn it back on, that's when it becomes a problem because now you might not actually get the benefit of this feature when you actually need it. So how about when you turn the feature off, you automatically get a notification, say an hour later, 
asking, would you like to turn this back on? Maybe that would be a good idea. Yeah. Or the other thing that could happen perhaps is that if it determines that you've gone a certain distance from that location where you turned it off, there are alerts already with Find My. You can set it up to notify you once you leave a location to notify somebody else or the or the reverse. These are all things that Apple could consider. Right now, we don't know exactly what Apple's plans are, but they have stated at least that they're planning on working on refining this feature. Researchers at the University of Glasgow have developed a system that can guess computer and smartphone users' passwords in seconds by analyzing the traces of heat their fingertips leave on keyboards and screens, except if you use a password manager. Ah, good point. So if I need to enter a password on my Mac, I use either the built-in password manager in Safari or 1Password, and I just have to press the Touch ID button for that password to go in. But if I do have to manually enter a password, and then Tom Cruise comes in and he wants to sniff around and check the heat on the keys on my keyboard, what they'll find is the keys that I've touched recently. But this only works if you haven't been touching a keyboard for a while. Ideally, an ATM keypad is a lot more practical because you don't have people there all the time, right? I'm typing all day and then I hit a password and then there's no real opportunity. All the keys are going to be hot when I'm typing all day. Well, this is a good point. And and you mentioned that this is something that would be useful on a on a keypad, like when you're paying for, for a product, you swipe your credit card, you also have to put in a pin, right? This has been tested in those kind of scenarios before. You can use a handheld heat signature detection utility, whatever they're called. You, you can use a portable version of that and potentially find out somebody's pin. Same thing could potentially work also at a bank, although of course there's a lot of cameras around. It's probably not the best place if you're a criminal to try to, to figure that stuff out. But yes, this stuff is is has been used in real world attacks. It has been used uh, experimentally in a research setting. But as far as the keyboards, it, it, you're right. It's This becomes a lot trickier because th there has to be a specific scenario where let's say, for example, that somebody has just logged into their computer and then maybe somebody pulls the fire alarm and everyone rushes out of the building right after the person has put in their password. Maybe that could be a scenario where you could find out somebody's password if you go along and, you know, check the heat signatures on, on their, on their keyboard at that exact moment, right? When everyone else is rushing to leave the building and there's chaos, maybe you could pull something like that off. Tom Cruise could do that, right? Oh, he could certainly do it. He'd be, he'd be hanging down from wires from the ceiling. He'd come down on top of the thing with heat sensitive glasses or something like that. Yes, exactly. But it becomes less practical because uh, if you're still continuing to use the computer after that, you're going to be probably typing and doing other things. And it's, it, it's just not a very practical attack, I think, in most scenarios. If you know that somebody has just typed in a password and they haven't been using the keyboard other than typing in that password, then maybe you could recover at least the the keys that they've pressed as part of that password. Not necessarily in what order, but you could get some idea of what their password might be. Back in the day when I lived in Paris, I was amazed at how many buildings were built around courtyards where you'd have this kind of a big 
a porte cochere, the kind of door where the, the horse and carriage would come in. And it would be protected with a code, usually four-digit code, that no one changed for years. And so you would see the numbers that were bright and shiny, the other ones were dusty. Mm -hmm. So you could always figure out what the code was. There are buildings that have a, a code that automatically changes the location of the digits. So if it's got a digital keypad, you can change up the location so it's not always exactly in the same spot. The, z the zero is always in one spot. The one's always in one spot. If it changes every time, that's a much better way to do it because now you don't have that wear and, and tear on those four, you know, uh, keys where everybody is typing in their pin every time. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about flying with AirTags. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego. World-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. So we've talked a lot about AirTags. It was about a year and a half ago that the AirTags were released. And by the way, I don't know about you. I'm starting to get alerts that I need to change the batteries of my AirTags. I've had a couple of them. What I've done is I've opened the AirTag, put the battery back in and closed it, and then I don't get the alert anymore. I'm going to see how long they last until I really have to change the batteries. But in the past week, we've had an interesting, I want to say, discussion on the Internet and in various places about Lufthansa, who announced via a random employee's Twitter reply to a customer that AirTags would be banned from checked luggage as they are classified as dangerous. Now, this seemed kind of ludicrous, and Josh went down a rabbit hole contacting Lufthansa, the IATA, the ICAO. Josh, tell us this story. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> this is a long and complicated story. This should have been very simply resolved, right? So what, what happened was uh, evidently there were some rumors circulating that this particular airline, Lufthansa, which is a German airline, if you're flying into or out of Germany, there's a pretty good chance that it could be a Lufthansa flight. So this airline responded to somebody who said, hey, there's rumors that you're banning air tags on your flights. Is this true? And as, as Kirk said, they essentially responded, this is the exact quote, Hi David, Lufthansa is banning activated AirTags from luggage as they are classified as dangerous and need to be turned off. And then it's signed Moni, M-O-N-Y is the, the employee who apparently posted this tweet. So this sort of ignited this whole controversy, right? People were discussing, well, wait a minute, hold on. 
air tags are dangerous. They're classified as dangerous and need to be turned off. What are you talking about? People have been putting air tags in luggage since they came out, and all of a sudden now this airline is banning air tags. And bef- and before that, they had tile luggage trackers, which were around a lot longer than Apple's air tags. Right. So it's not like you know the air tag is the very first product that's ever been used for this sort of thing. So somebody replied to to that tweet and said, why exactly are they classified as dangerous? And again, a different person from the airlines tweeted, according to ICAO guidelines, baggage trackers are subject to the dangerous goods regulations. Furthermore, due to their transmission function, the trackers must be de- deactivated during the flight if they are in checked baggage and cannot be used as a result. And that was signed by Anna. So these are the two tweets, the only posts that this company has made, the only public statements that this company has made about this alleged policy. And by the way, we should mention the IATA is the International Air Transport Association, a trade association that was established in 1945, and they set technical standards for airlines. And the ICAO is the International Civil Aviation Organization which was founded in 1947 and is a specialized agency of the United Nations that coordinates the principles and techniques of international air navigation. And so they also work on safety recommendations as well. So I tweeted about this. Kirk sent me an email maybe a couple hours later and sent me a link to a couple of articles about this, including one from 9to5Mac that I think was published just after I tweeted, in which a 9to5Mac reporter cited... Airways Magazine, I think it was, and they had gotten a statement from Lufthansa over the weekend around the same time that these rumors were circulating and this tweet came out, the first of the tweets, and they said privately, essentially, that they're not actually banning AirTags. So, okay, so that was a private statement to this Airways Magazine. So if you believe that and you don't believe the public statements that this airline is making, then maybe they're not banning it. So it was still really unclear. And of course, everyone reads Airways Magazine, so everyone knows about this story, right? <laughs> well, so so I tweeted about that I, as a follow-up, and I said, okay, at Lufthansa, you might want to make a public statement clarifying your position on this. And of course, they did not. So I reached out to them yesterday uh, for comment and said, look, I'm going to be writing about this. And of course, I knew we were going to be talking about it on the podcast this week. And so I said, give me a statement. Like, (laughs) what is the official policy? So not only did I get a statement from Lufthansa from the airline, but I also reached out to the ICAO, which is the organization that they referenced, and also the IATA, which was mentioned in the Airways Magazine article as well as the 95 Mac article. So I actually got a response from all three organizations. So I'm going to lay it all out for you. Wait, can I just guess how the this ends here, that it's not clear that everyone disagrees with everyone and we don't have a firm answer? <laughs> well... Possibly. <laughs> okay. Let's let, let's see. Okay. So first of all, the statement from the airline, the Lufthansa group has conducted its own risk assessment. Uh-oh, it starts to sound like the tweets are legit, right? With the result that tracking devices with very low battery and transmission power in checked luggage do not pose a safety risk. Okay. That's pretty much the exact opposite of what they tweeted. 
We have never issued a ban on devices like that. It is on the authorities to adapt regulations that right now limit the use of these devices for airline passengers and checked luggage. So wait, 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 wait. So now it sounds like they're going back to, yes, it's not our policy, but yes, they are banned. And then they say, we are in close contact with the respective institutions to find a solution as quickly as possible. So then it's, it's sort of unclear at the end of this. And it's, it's like, okay, well, so they don't have an airline policy against air tags, but they're saying maybe there might be uh, recommendations and regulations that prohibit air tags. So they're not actually really going to say is kind of how I interpret that. So, okay, so let's go to the regulation uh, or the standards bodies, right, that, that propose uh, regulations on these sort of things. The IATA was the first to respond to me, and their statement was as follows. There are no specific regulations for AirTags, as they contain lithium batteries, which we verified. They contain CR2032 batteries, by the way, which is the same you know button cell watch battery that is found in a lot of non-smart watches. So they say, as they contain lithium batteries and emit a continuous Bluetooth signal, AirTags and other baggage tracking devices fall under the category of personal electronic devices, PED, for regulations concerning their carriage by travelers. The PED's category also includes mobile phones and tablets, which have similar characteristics but with significantly more powerful batteries. So just pausing from their statement for a second here, this is one of the things that we kind of assumed might be going on here is that we know that there's a much bigger battery in cell phones and tablets. And these are devices that can easily be put into an airplane mode if they're going to be put in luggage, right? But they're categorizing AirTags currently as that type of device, even though they have a much smaller battery that you can find in, again, any non-smart watch. The IATA continues, the ICAO sets global standards for the carriage of dangerous goods. Currently, these regulations do not permit the carriage of PED in checked baggage unless the PED is completely turned off. Okay, so the IATA's interpretation of the ICAO standard is that because this is a device that could be in checked luggage, it contains a battery, a lithium battery, and it emits Bluetooth signals, then yes, it should be basically in airplane mode. It's kind of, it sounds like what they're saying. So if I understand, what we have here is a total disagreement about how dangerous it is. And I'm thinking that the reason they think this is dangerous is because of the stories of Samsung phones that caught fire in the past, and a couple of them were on airplanes. But let's be logical. If I had a Kindle tablet and I put it in checked baggage, it has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and it has a lithium battery, and I wouldn't think about it. And I don't think they would say particularly that you can't carry a Kindle in checked baggage. There are all kinds of devices that actually have things like this. There are toys, there are game players, there are, you know, a number of devices that have batteries. And it's is it the battery? Is it the Bluetooth? Or do they know what they're talking about? Or is it simply that Lufthansa doesn't want to be embarrassed by lost luggage that people have been able to track with an AirTag? <laughs> 
Well, and, and so that was one thing that came up in these Twitter threads, too. People are saying, wait a minute, when you're saying that these devices are dangerous, do you mean that it's dangerous from the perspective of, in a hypothetical scenario, somebody says, I know my bag is still on this airplane, and I'm refusing to get off the plane until I get my bag, because I know it's here somewhere, and you need to give it to me, or things like that, right? These could be potential problems. It could be potentially pose a danger if that person gets angry, but these are all very theoretical things, right? It probably has happened in real life that somebody says, I know where my bag is because I have an AirTag in it. But does that actually mean that AirTags are dangerous? Uh, That's a bit of a stretch. I haven't flown in an airplane in about 10 years. I remember in the early days, if you had a phone, oh, you had to turn the phone off, it was going to disrupt all of the communications and stuff, and that never happened. Um, I remember that in hospitals, they would tell you to turn your phone off because it would disrupt all the medical equipment, and that never happened. So is this just another case of we don't know and we're afraid? I mean, I can understand that airplanes are particularly sensitive because if something happens, you have a long way down when it falls. What it seems to be is that the standards bodies are just not keeping up quickly enough. In fact, the, the very next statement from IATA is, again, this is their their statement to me. They said the potential safety risks of AirTags, however, appear to be minimal. So they're kind of saying, yeah, well, we know the standards kind of say that this is not safe, but we know internally that, that they're not probably dangerous devices. So that's kind of interesting. The IATA had a, a little more to say about this, but I want to skip to the ICAO statement. The ICAO, for its part, said, although we are not a standard-setting body, under the 1944 Convention on International Civil Aviation, the regulation of air transport remains a sovereign state responsibility. So they're basically saying, we make recommendations, and then it's up to countries to decide whether to adopt those recommendations. That's essentially what they're saying. And they say, as such, ICAO is not in a position to comment on the implementation or interpretation of the ICAO specifications by states or the operators they regulate. So they're like you know what? Countries and airlines can do whatever they want based on the standards that we set or the recommendations that we put forward. They said, having said that, we are in a position to provide you with our technical specifications. And then they provide an attached excerpt from a document, this screenshot that they highlighted a a section. And the part that they highlighted says, Batteries contained in portable electronic devices should be carried as carry-on baggage. However, if carried as checked baggage, measures must be taken to prevent unintentional activation and to protect the devices from damage, and the devices must be completely switched off, not in sleep or hibernation mode. So once again, we have sort of a confusing answer. They're kind of saying, well, it's not really up to us, but based on our current standards... Yeah, it does seem as though AirTags sort of fall into that category that sh- of devices that should be switched off during flight if they're in checked baggage. Did you get a statement from the IPOD? The IPOD? What's the IPOD? The iPod. <laughs> if, just wondering if the iPod had something to say. I mean, there was Bluetooth iPods back in the day. The iPod Mini, the, no, the iPod Nano had Bluetooth. So we've had Bluetooth devices with lithium batteries. We've had portable electronic devices for ages. Why is all of a sudden, uh, it just sounds to me like, on the one hand, these organizations that make up recommendations don't know what to say, so they're punting. On the other hand, you've got one airline that's got a couple of minimum wage people working on the Twitter account that don't know what to say. 
and basically just keep using Ureo tags because they're not going to find them yeah, anyway. That's the bottom line. Uh, the, the only, they could they could have some sort of a scanner that they could check all the luggage with a scanner to see if there's any Bluetooth coming from it. But I doubt they'd go to that trouble because there's not a lot of time to turn around airplanes in airports. Right. The bottom line is that this is not something that you should be concerned about if you're currently using air tags in your luggage or if you're considering using air tags in your, in your luggage. Don't worry about it. Leave them in there. If the airline decides that it's dangerous and not safe, what's the worst? case scenario. They're not going to ban you from the flight unless you're making a big deal out of it. But, you know, what so what? If they throw it away, what was it, you know, 25 30 bucks, you can get another one if you really had to. I don't think that any airline is going to be removing people's air tags or telling you that you cannot board a flight if you've got an air tag in your checked luggage. Don't worry about it. That's basically the thing. One final comment, the IATA says that they will request the immediate consideration of this by the ICAO Dangerous Goods Panel, which will meet next month in November. So presumably this is all going to get resolved officially pretty soon. This just highlights the reason why you should never have an air tag in one of those little holders on the outside of your luggage, because someone could take it off. Someone could steal your luggage and take it off, and you wouldn't know where it was, particularly if you spend 400 bucks for the Hermes leather air tag tag to put on your luggage. Well, I guess you're in a private plane then, so it doesn't really matter. All right. Next time you fly, you're going to take something with an air tag just to see what happens? I, I'm considering it. Yeah, I actually don't have air tags yet. I've been I've been kind of back and forth about whether to buy them. And now I feel like I have to get them and stick them in my luggage. So I, I'm I'm thinking about it. Okay, Josh. Until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com. <laughs>